This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or as I like to call it, Dear Gabby. That's it, just Dear Gabby. No one else, no one else is here. Yeah. Man, I would read your advice column. Um, uh, this is a podcast, it's a comedy podcast about death, oftentimes, where uh, two brothers, but occasionally a special guest, will uh, answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. And today we are joined by Gabby Dunn. Hello, Gabby. Hi. Thank you for having me on my own show, which is called Dear Gabby. It's great to have you. When did you start up this advice podcast about death all by yourself? Oh, I would say 30 seconds ago. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, uh, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, I really wanted to do this podcast. I'm a huge fan of uh, the work that you do, and I know that uh, I know that you know I want to help you promote promo your your new book that's coming out and the new tour you're going on. But also, I wanted to promote some of my own stuff, so I'm coming on the podcast to uh, to tell people about some of the stuff that I'm working on. Uh, we'll we'll get to that though. Um, have you have you had a good uh, good week so far? It's Monday. It's like twelve o'clock on a Monday. So have you have you had a, a fir- the first uh, good three hours of your week so far? Oh, sort of. We were just talking about how neither of us are being productive today, particularly. And also, uh, I didn't invite you on my show. So it's like super weird that you're the first guest. (laughs) Just like didn't. I don't know. Got to talk to my booker, I guess. Yeah, I just showed up. You just started recording and then suddenly I was inside of your podcasting software. Yeah, it's actually like pretty weird. Uh, but I'm, I'm so glad you're here because we have so many questions coming up about, um, bisexuality and I know that you're an expert, so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying, not saying that we saved up a bunch of questions that John and I didn't feel qualified to answer for when we had a guest who uh, has a broader set of experiences than we do, but there may be more kinds of questions like that than usual. 
I honestly love to be tokenized. If people could just have me and book me on things and give me work based on that, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> Mama's got to eat, so if someone could. All right. Well, the, then you're in the right place because this is the highest paying uh, podcast in the podcast business. Are the, do, I, no I've podcast heard, I've heard pay, that. By which I mean it, it pays the exact <laughs> same amount as all other podcast gigs, which I assume is zero dollars. I have never heard of a person being paid to be on a podcast, but maybe. Yeah, especially uh, my show, Bad With Money. We pay all the guests. It's just kind of a wink to how bad I am at money. <laughs> <laughs> Like part of the show. Well, we make like we make like thirty dollars an episode, and we pay fifty dollars an episode to the guests. Yep, and then I just light a bunch of hundreds on fire just to like you know for art. Yeah, you got to be authentic. All right, Gabby, did you bring us a short poem today? Yeah, I brought a sexy poem because I felt like that was my brand. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> already. Oh God, that's my goal is to just make you as uncomfortable <laughs> as possible. I don't know if that's come through in everything that I do. That's no, working. Okay, mm-hmm. um, so it's it's a nice one. It's E. Cummings' poem that I really uh, like, and it's, uh, I'll just, do you want to say the title or I just read it? I'll just sure, read it. you can say the title. Well, the title or is that. sort of the first line, but whatever. So, okay, this is the poem. It goes, I like my body when it is with your body. It is so quite new a thing. Muscles better and nerves more. I like your body. I like what it does. I like its house. I like to feel the spine of your body and its bones and the trembling, firm smoothness in which I will again and again and again kiss. I like kissing this and that of you. I like slowly stroking the shocking fuzz of your electric fur and what it is comes over parting flesh and eyes big love crumbs. And possibly I like the thrill of under me you quite so new. That end part is my favorite. I love that part. Mm. It's Mm -hmm. so good. It's so like... I don't know. I just always really, that always stuck with me. I always really liked the last two lines of that poem. I never really think uh, about whether or not a poet, like a famous poet, especially like E.E. Cummings or Shakespeare, was kind of like, to what extent were their poems involved in the process of getting them laid? Oh, 100%. You think he wrote that for someone not to read it to them and be like, so, right? So, <laughs> so like, we, we doing this or what's the deal? I feel like all, uh, all art is just, like, people trying to be like, huh? So, who's, someone's going <laughs> to f*** me now, right? Like, that's, that's what we're all doing here. And then, you know what's also right. fun? Is that like a lot of these writers who you read their their work and it's like, you know, in school and stuff, they show you like the the PG work. And then later mm-hmm. you go back and you read and you're like, oh, OK. Like, did you know Shel Silverstein wrote erotica? Like so much. Erotica. Yeah, I did know that I did. And I, I was I was upset when I found out because <laughs> I was too young. He it was too young to find out. Was like a prolific erotica writer. And then, like, yeah, I think... and like funny, funny, like dirty drawings too, like hilarious dirty drawings. And I was like twelve, and there was like <laughs> Shel Silverstein books at my friend's mom's place. Oh no! And there was, and there, and there was like one that was not kids' book, and I was just like, that okay? Oh, put that back and pretend like that never happened. Yeah, or like uh, you just fine. find There's... I turned out okay. Did you? Are you all right? You're sweating right now. <laughs> Okay. I uh, yeah, just this entire conversation. I want out, Gabby. Nope. <laughs> yeah. 
I came. Good, you're doing your job. Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad. I came just to. I actually didn't know if this was like a PG-13 podcast, and I just went for it. Oh well, we're we're gonna we're gonna have to bleep some of some of you for sure. Really? That's allowed. Do you bleep? Oh, yeah, we bleep. Really? We bleep here on Dear Hank and John. John has cursed a total of I think three times on this podcast. <laughs> um, our our guests significantly more. I don't think I've ever done it. Really? I'm I'm pretty good at not cursing. Do you want to do it now and then you can bleep it? Hmm. Which which, which word should I pick? I mean, probably just like old Goldie, Mister. I came here to ruin this show and I've done my job. We are nine minutes in and I have ruined this show. Oh, is that, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's going very well. I feel completely unruined. Oh, Gabby, good, do good, you want good. to do some questions? Yeah, yeah, let's take some, some gay ass questions. All right, this one's from Elizabeth who asks, Dear Hank and Gabby, Greetings, I'm a young queer woman who has recently ventured into the world of dating. However, I'm not out to my parents. I've been talking to this girl for a few weeks, and we've been on one date. However, we're about to go on another date tomorrow, and I'm realizing that I'll have to tell my parents where I'm going because I might be gone for almost the entire day, which sounds like a fun, cool date. I want to know more about this. Yeah. This would require one of two situations occurring. Either one, telling them the truth and coming out when I'm not ready, or two, lie to my parents. Neither are really great options. Any dubious advice would be appreciated. Gay and scared, Elizabeth. Oh my god, I want gay and scared on a mug. Um, (laughs) (laughs) just the classic it me Um, yeah I uh, I, well one kudos to you for being a a kid who doesn't want to lie to their parents that's weird what's that like Um, (laughs) and I mean I also I always say like for coming out when you live with your parents um, it really comes down to like how safe you feel so, like, if you feel mm-hmm. like they're going to react poorly and you're going to have to find a different living situation or there's some sort of, like, abuse that's going to happen or just anything where you're not physically safe, um, I don't recommend coming out. I, I, I used to be really militant about, like, you have to come out to show them that they have a queer kid so they can change their mind. But now I'm sort of, like, the practicality of it, like, if you don't feel safe, don't make yourself unsafe mm-hmm. as, like, a political statement. Um, but... If also like, I don't know, parents are dense. So like if you're like, I'm going to spend the day with my female friend, they'd be like, cool, be gal pals, have fun. I guess you pers- mm-hmm. I guess you personally don't feel good lying to them. But like, what have you been doing up till now? Um, right. I mean, I yeah. think I think right. you have well, to well, look that's, out that's, for yourself. And then there's, yeah, I, I mean, it's of course, it's like parent to parent situation here. But there, there was a moment when my parents were pretty sure I was gay, and and so this like, like there were a number of clues that w- were leading them in that direction. Um, my interests, my friend group, um, and uh, you know because we have stereotypes, and I was fitting into some of them. So uh, there, I think you can, like, I don't encourage this, but there is there is a sense that like. Uh, you could be like, boy, I sure. She seems like Elizabeth's been hanging out with uh, with with Christina a whole lot lately. Mm-hmm. Seems like there's been an all the in like not just daytime but nighttime, and <laughs> and, uh, and a lot of maybe they'll just sort of get it. <laughs> yeah, but that's or, not necessarily how you want it. How you want to do? Um, I mean, it's also like uh, I, I they might not. They really might not get it. And also, I don't mean to like I don't know how old this person is, and I don't mean to like 
but like how long like you could kind of get away with sleepovers for like a while you know what i mean before they know what's mm. up like you could sort of you could get like door closed sleepovers for like a good solid month before they're like what's going on and uh and like maybe you want to just like do that for a bit uh because, that look, there's so many disadvantages about being queer that, like, let us have those door-closed sleepovers before you guys realize what's up. Like, give us that one just, thing. <laughs> no one's getting pregnant. It's fine. I, I, I also, like, I feel like, I, I, Elizabeth, again, good on you for wanting to tell your parents the truth. Um, and I, I think that being conflicted about this at all is, is the right place to be. Um, and you have to make the decision based on who you are. And... Your situation. Did your parents ever ask you, like, Hank, what's going on? Why, why are you acting? Uh, no, they they said they said uh, things to the to the tune of whoever you are, whoever you are, it's okay with us. Kind Aww. of things. Everybody should like, do let, that. Let All me know parents, that Yeah. All parents should do that. Totally agreed. Reg- regardless agreed. of if you think your kid is gay, because a lot of times, like it, there, you know, there's very feminine girls who end up being bisexual or queer or lesbian and like their parents were like, oh, I guess we don't have to worry. But you you could start that, just start telling your kid that from day one. Mm-hmm. What were some of your interests? Oh, I really liked uh, like going to the skating rink um, and and just ice skating, not like, play, like eventually I started playing hockey, but just like the free skate all like by myself i would go and like like they like they play like pop music and you just skate around oh my I'd god that. um I, all of my friends were female yeah. and uh that that sort of remains a thing for like i of course i have dude friends but like m- mostly it's like the husbands of my friends are my dude friends <laughs> did you ever see and, did you ever see that snl skit that was like uh like a wishing well for boys and it was like <laughs> and it was like a gift that you get for like a young a young boy and it's like at the and it's just this like sensitive boy who wants to like sit by a well and then it's like the end of the sketch is like it's not a gay thing i mean it is but it's not and i was like oh my god that's what you remind me of the little sensitive boy next to the well yeah and i really liked musicals <laughs> stuff like that oh you're just a sensitive soul i mean uh, what what it what is what is what is it all as we have found um, over the last 10 years, it turns out, ah, oh, there are no boxes. It's hard, hard to put people in boxes. And that's the beautiful thing. We're all our own box. Dear Gabby, as I've become more senior at work, I find myself... <laughs> <laughs> erasing me from the podcast. Yep. I've become more, as I've become more senior at work, I find myself in the position of being asked to supervise or give feedback to less experienced coworkers. I find this challenging, firstly, because I do not want to hurt my coworkers' feelings. Secondly, often it's just easier to fix their work myself, but I know this is not the best way to help my coworkers grow professionally. How do you go about giving feedback in a way that is one, kind, and two, helps the person fix their work, and three, gives, helps the person grow professionally for the next project? Add Meloria... Meliora, Jessica. What's Ad Meliora? We have a thing on our podcast where people uh, we, we compliment people on their uh, on their sign offs, which has has resulted in uh, people making their sign offs really weird. I think it means it means the better. Oh, I don't know why. Or all the best or something. Well, it, uh, you know what? Yeah. A little bit of a deep cut, Jessica. So don't make us work for it. Um, okay, I. <laughs> 
that was really good feedback. That was really good feedback to your coworker Jessica. <laughs> no, I'm just mean. Okay. Um, well, I think what's interesting, and I learned this from Allison primarily, is that you have to start. It's like the compliment sandwich. So you have to start with being like, mm-hmm. "Great job! You did so good on the lighting." Here's why the sound is bad. Um, and I and I used to never do that. And I realized, I was like, mm-hmm. why, who are these babies that need me to just like talk to them that way? But turns out everyone. It's the babies are everyone. <laughs> Including me. I'm also the baby. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Why? What's your advice? Uh, no, I mean you. You are the baby. Like you don't like it when people would just like come out and they're like, here's the criticism with none of the praise. Just uh, fix the thing that's wrong. I assume because you're a person, but maybe you're, maybe you're the exception. Yeah, sometimes I like to just get to it, um, but I but yeah. I understand I understand why. I mean, you know, there's this whole thing, especially as women, and I'm sure Jess. I was about to lead with that with Jessica. Like, it's this hard thing as women in supervising positions where you have to sort of be like, "Hey, buddy!" Like with this smile on mm-hmm. your face, you can't just go up and say what they need to do because then everyone will be like, "Jessica's a bitch." Um, sorry, mm-hmm. now you're gonna bleep me again. Um, but yeah, so so I mean, it's tough. I also understand the impulse to take over, but part of me is like, like yes, the work will be done correctly the way you view it as correctly, but you've also hired this person who may have a different way of doing it. And if you ask them to fix it, the way that they do it will be different than the way that you do it. And that's okay. And like you wanted their skill set anyway. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think you have to let go of the idea that your way of doing it is fixing it. You know what I mean? Am I making sense? Like your way of doing it is not necessarily 100% correct. You have to like, be okay with what the other person contributes. Yeah, and and I have struggled with that where like, I'll be like, if it's not the way I would have done it, then it's wrong. It took me a while to get away from that. The other thing that I'll say to Jessica that was really important for me to realize is that when you say like, it's easier to fix their work myself, you are not giving yourself the chance to learn and grow and become better at your job which is the work that you have to do to help your coworkers get better at their jobs. So you're not good at this part of your job yet because it's new to you. And if you're just fixing their work, if like something is wrong and you're like, oh, it's better, to, it's easier for me to just fix it than to have a conversation about what's wrong, then you're not getting better at that. You are doing the thing that you, like you're doing it to yourself at the same time you're doing it to your coworker. So when you, like, when you actually do it, it's harder. You are, like it's more difficult work at first to figure out how to talk to your coworker about how to make their work better than it is to just make their work better yourself. But it's all like that gets easier for you as well, just by doing it and by doing it over and over again. And like, I now will regularly send emails. Like I have to figure out what I don't like about a thing and I have to communicate that effectively, which is not necessarily super easy, but, um, but I, I've gotten a lot better at it and, and at getting that information in, across in a way and like also understanding individual humans so that I know the way to tell one person is different than the way to tell another person, which is absolutely fine. Like that's one of the things about managing is understanding the people that you manage, not just like every, every person is the same and you should treat them all the same. I don't really believe that. I think that like you need to understand what motivates different people and, and how they, uh, 
how they respond to both praise and criticism and what kind of praise and what kind of criticism motivates them the most, uh, which is shocking how different people are, uh, especially how they are not me. Over and over again, I continue to realize that other people are not me. Which yeah, is a big, a big important lesson of management. Yeah, big time. And you have to like it's going to hurt their feelings and and make them worse at their job if you just do the work for them. So I think mm-hmm. you gotta. Yeah, I think you 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 can't have you can't have people working for you that you're just doing their job for them because then they'll just get resentful too it's a bad pattern Mm -hmm. that was a good question damn that's right we got we get lots of good questions here my dear hank and john i'm gonna ask another one if that sounds like a good plan to you yeah go for it this one i like a lot it's from christina who asks dear hank and gabby i've been a nerd fighter and involved in various fandoms for probably seven plus years now in my younger teen years i was really active in these communities and i ate up as much content irl as i could I'm 19 now, and I feel this weird sense of disassociation from it all. I still identify as a nerd fighter and love all the content coming from all those other fandoms that I was into. But when I see video of young teenage girls in the mass of thousands screaming for these YouTubers that I adore, I can't help but feel uncomfortable. I used to be that girl. I still unapologetically love all these things, but I feel weird about conventions and IRL meetups. Do these people they idol- These people they idolize are just people. They binge watch Stranger Things and wake up surrounded in popcorn crumbs and regret just like the rest of us. Am I just growing up? Am I in Am I in the wrong here? Will all of those adolescent girls I see at VidCon crowds go through the same thing I am? Demogorgons and self-doubt Christina. Uh, yes, you're growing up. As Blink-182 said, that's why this is growing up. Um, there's... <laughs> it said it so many different times in that one song. Yep, I guess this is growing up. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I used to be super, super into fandom. Like, I used to be all, Mm -hmm. all, uh, it was like all consuming. But that was because I was young and you, I felt powerless and I had, you know, I didn't have the ability to like have a car and live on my own and and do anything for myself. Um, And I like wanted some kind of feeling like I was a part of something. Um, And I I, was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's it, I've gone through the almost the exact same thing that Christine is describing where you just kind of start to pull back and you're like, "Wait a minute, everyone is a person. All your faves are problematic." <laughs> like uh <laughs> like nobody and I don't know if this is just because I slowly became like I was the person waiting in line for these things and now at VidCon people wait in line to see me and that messes with me a lot. Like it's very weird. Uh and so mm-hmm. it gave me Uh, like this the knowledge to know how to treat these people and so like if you feel a little disillusioned with it at least like take it into your life of like okay I know how to treat treat other people with kindness because of how I would have wanted to have been treated by these people that were had like quote-unquote power over me I guess because I idolized them um but uh, yeah, it's just, I think it really is just growing up because you start to realize that there's like other stuff going on for you. When you're young, there's not really, I mean, it's pretty boring being a kid. Well, it's also like, I think that there's a lot of, and, and this goes on forever, of course, but there's a lot of figuring yourself out and you're looking for m- like models through which to figure yourself out. And that's both like the things that you love and and like I 
identifying with those things and defining yourself through the things that you love, which is a lot better than defining yourself through the things that you hate. Yeah. And there's looking for people to sort of be models for behavior. And that's both other people in communities or it's the people that uh, who are who are creating the stuff that you love. And I I mean, I was a huge like nerd fan and I would wait in long lines to meet my favorite musicians and um, and authors and 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 also like totally like there will be times when people will go over a line mm-hmm. but i did that too like i was the guy who went over the line me too and like not like every time but like like i there are a couple of times maybe just one time when i maybe figured out what hotel a musician was staying at and i called him on the phone and he answered and he was like hello and i was like great show tonight and he was like oh god right so that was me and so now from now on whenever somebody does something like that to me i have to be like i like i can't really complain that much yeah and i had like i i also think so it makes me and like everything feels so important when you're young like so important and so it makes me have a lot of empathy for you know for instance like when stuff happens in queer fandom like when um lesbian characters are killed off or when uh you know an actor that we really loved um says something homophobic or transphobic or whatever and and it's just like i understand how devastating that is whereas like i think i see a lot of people writing off teenage fandom or like teen girls Mm -hmm. in particular where they're like this is so silly this is so dumb or they don't you know care about them like the number one thing to me is you don't alienate queer fandom and you don't alienate teenage fandom like they love so passionately and they care so much because this is the most important time in their life to them and so if you're part of that like you should feel so grateful and so lucky and so blessed that they've even like connected with you in some way so it is hard to to draw the line between like oh wow they're really screaming and that's pretty annoying versus like (laughs) putting into or you know like people wanting to to find my dad on facebook or whatever like i i right i completely get it like i get it so i know I, i but growing up is starting to see that that is crossing some sort of you know that is crossing some sort yeah. of boundary. And that's why you, you shouldn't behave that way into your 30s unless you're like <laughs> planning to murder someone, I guess. Well, or or like I, I do think that like I'm super into like uh, pictures of moms at New Kids on the Block concerts. Like yes. New Kids on the Block went on a reunion tour and like the pictures of 45 year old women at New Kids on the Block concerts are my jam. And like, I love that there still are those opportunities to be like, I'm going to get in touch with that. I'm going to remember what that was like. But you enjoy but the it. Other thing I you say, enjoy it and you don't stalk Jordan, yeah, Jordan McKnight yeah, of afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing I wanted to say to, to Christina is like, as I've gotten older, the way that I, I, I think that the, the, like the amount of appreciation and enthusiasm I think I have for things hasn't decreased. I think maybe it's a little more spread out and it's also, it's less focused on individual people and more focused on like the sort of broad scope. Like I'm, I'm less into like Gordon Gano from the violent femmes as I am into like individual songs or understanding like the complexities of, of, of a rhyme scheme or, um, or even like a, uh, a a marketing strategy that maybe a musician used that is that is really like like positive and s- like smart, effective, and like good for the world. Mm-hmm. Like if you can like 
finding those ways that like I appreciate people in very different ways now. And I often it's not so much about like sort of all focused on this, my imagined version of what their personality is, because, of course, it's always imagined when it's not it's even when it is a person, you know, even when it's yourself, there's a lot of imagining that goes on. Um, But I find that like I'm still super like when I find something that I love, like, you know, when I get into a new podcast or a, a new book series or something like I still love it in like really deep in passionate ways, but it's focused in a different way. And yeah. I don't think that that means that it, and, and like, and at VidCon, we try to have the, like all of those kinds of discussions going on where it's like, yes, there's places for screaming and going crazy. And there's places for like, let's, let's have conversations about like the effects that these things are having or the difficulties people are facing or the exciting things that are happening. Yeah, it's also um, realizing that people aren't perfect is a really big, like I still obviously like mm-hmm. you you should obviously still have passions and love stuff, but like realizing that it's my stuff's become less person focused too, because it, you, you get disappointed by people. And that's why I don't date fans, because I feel like, what am I going to do? Just mm-hmm. disappoint them? Because everyone's like... Uh, like, oh, but you seem like you would like take advantage of that kind of thing. No, that's horrible. That's like, that's like, first of all. Thanks. Thanks for saying that about me. I was like, I'm like, uh, I'm, I don't know what the word, the proper word to use on this podcast is Lothario, but like, I'm not like, uh, like try, you know, I'm not like going after fans because there's a power dynamic. And I think they, a lot of like, yeah, you just start to slowly not focus on individual people as much. I think in my, in my experience. I had to Google Lothario, so I did that, and now I know. Uh, a male given name, which is, suggests an unscrupulous seducer of women. Yeah, that seems right. So. That checks out. Okay. <laughs> uh, dear Gabby, and I guess Hank, I want to get a fairly realistic. <laughs> I want to get a fairly realistic tattoo of Saturn, but it feels like NASA updates their images of Saturn every few weeks. Should I get a tattoo based on the current available images of Saturn and just accept that it'll be a snapshot of what Saturn looked like at the time I got the tattoo, knowing it will change throughout my life? Or should I wait indefinitely until space photography has advanced? General Witty, <laughs> General Witty sign off, Janina. This is uh, incredible. <laughs> I should wait indefinitely until space photography advances before getting my Saturn tattoo. I actually have an answer for this question that's pretty straightforward. So NASA is currently updating their images of Saturn a whole lot because there is a there is a mission that is uh, at Saturn and taking lots of great pictures of Saturn. It's called Cassini and it rocks and Saturn is a lot of people's favorite planet, uh, I assume aside from Earth. And uh, it's a beautiful planet, but the images, so basically it was like a 20 year, maybe 30 year period when we didn't get any new pictures of Saturn. And then we started to get these new ones and they're great. And then we're not going to get any new ones for a long time. So you might want to wait six months until the current crop of Cassini photos get a really like a bunch of good post-production done on them. Cause I don't think that there are any new ones coming in anymore, but it does sometimes take a little while for the artists to like take the raw data and make it into something that's like, oh, damn, that's a beautiful planet uh, to happen. So you might want to wait about six months and then we'll have, I think, pretty much all we're going to get out of Cassini. And then we won't have any new photographs of Saturn for like decades, unfortunately. So we're just living, we just happen to be living in an amazing time for Saturn photographs, Janina. Do you um, have any tattoos? I don't have any single tattoos. I'm tattooless. Interesting. Because I feel like 
and this is my non-science answer. I have a bunch of tattoos and I feel like when people go, oh, but won't you regret it? I feel like that is a snapshot in time of what I was at that time. So it might be cool to get a picture of Saturn now, knowing that when you look back, that you'll know that it was specifically from this time in your life. Does that make sense? Yeah, which is why I should get a tattoo of like the current shape of Antarctica, because that's going to change a lot till before I die. Yeah. Be like, this is what it looked like when I was a kid, y'all, back when there was more of it. That will be so depressing, <laughs> Hank. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have tattoos, Gabby? I know you have tattoos, but tell me about, tell me about your tattoo sitch. Oh, I have seven of them. Uh, I'm about to get more, I think. But uh, yeah, I don't, a lot of them I just did kind of on a whim. And then that's how I think about it is like, you at 22 thought this was cool. And so that's not something <laughs> like that's not something to be ashamed of at 29. Like that's, you know, it's yeah. kind of like a like a photo album or something about like what you I mean, I have a tattoo on my hand and I was like, oh, I really committed to show business, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, yeah, a lot of it is just kind of what I what I thought was important at at the time. And so when I saw that question, I was like, it'd be cool to just have Saturn now as it as it is to you at whatever age you are. And then as it changes, you can see how it changed throughout time, like, you know, throughout your life. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, Saturn has, itself has not changed that much. It's just our ability to take good pictures of it has changed. Uh, I, don't want, I don't want people to come away with the wrong image that Saturn is out there doing like some kind of weird dance and some days it's a square. Um, <laughs> it's mostly, mostly the same. What would you get a tattoo of if you got one? Oh, I don't know. I so, uh, what? I I have I have felt like uh, more like getting a tattoo since I turned like thirty seven. Because like at this uh, point, what do you have to lose? Pretty clearly a sign that I'm headed it. I'm headed into a midlife crisis. Like I think it's I think that that's what's happening. Yeah, whatever. Um, what do you have to but, lose at this point? Exactly. You know, I I wrote a thing when I was in college that said I I want a job. Where when I when I turn forty, I can get a mohawk and it won't be won't be bad for my career. And I kind of feel like that's the case, but I also kind of feel like I can't have a mohawk and teach a crash course. Why like not? People, people be like, "Who is this forty-year-old man with a mohawk trying to teach me about chemistry?" No, what about that guy He's, at NASA that has the mohawk? Yeah, I mean, yeah, except that that guy is a, an attractive young man. Yeah, and I am a I am an attractive old man. <laughs> I was like about to yell at you. So good that you specified um but what would you get i don't uh i i feel like i had something oh i was thinking about uh the uh the end of the origin of species was real good what is that i'm gonna read it to you but i can't i can't remember it it's oh words i was saying you should get words i like when men have word, yeah i like when men have words tattoos you like men you like man man word tattoos i like when men yeah when men have like just black and like just text it's very attractive. My, uh, my, my cousin is a tattoo artist, and he won't do words. He Why? refuses to do words, so I guess I can't go to my cousin. But uh, it's, it's this. from It's the, like, the last paragraph of Darwin's On the Origin of Species where he laid out the theory of evolution. It says, There is grandeur in this view of life with its several powers having been originally breathed into a few forms or into one, and that whilst this planet has gone cycling on according to the fixed law of gravity, from so simple a beginning, endless forms and most beautiful and most wonderful 
endless forms, endless forms most beautiful and most wonderful have been and are being evolved. Which is just like, sometimes we forget that Charles Darwin was a great writer. Wow. Which is, and now you maybe curse again on this podcast. Sorry. You got two <laughs> of them out of me. Oh, I've done my job. I'm saying so on brand. You should get like um, the part that just says like endless forms of wonderful and beautiful or something like that. Yeah, sure, sure. That's a lot of words. No, I agree. I want to get just pain don't hurt from Roadhouse. So I'm also an intellectual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I think I thought about getting a DFTBA tattoo. I feel like that's on brand. Yeah. Um, but just just a reminder. And uh, and where there's you part of me at one point in my in my life where I wanted to get every like every logo of, of every business I started tattooed on me, and then <laughs> and then somebody was like, "That's the worst thing I've ever heard." So don't do that. Where would you get it? I, I mean, I, the only place I'm interested in getting tattoos is my forearms mm -hmm. because I like forearm tattoos are my jam. I like forearms. I think that they're one of the best parts of the body. Yeah. Um, and also, they're really they're just a good tattoo place because forearm skin, for some reason, tends to stay nice and good uh, <laughs> skin for some reason. Yeah, that's like that's like the I was gonna say. So that's what I like. I like dudes with like word tattoos, black ink word tattoos on their arms. That's very classy and yeah. sexy. You should do that. Pain don't hurt. Pain I could get pain don't hurt. Pain don't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such trash. Okay. And that leads us, of course, to our sponsors uh, for this episode. Uh, our sponsor, our first sponsor is uh, Word Tattoos on the Male Forearm. <laughs> word Tattoos in Black Ink on the Male Forearm. The best kind of tattoos if you want to be uh, admired by Gabby Dunn. <laughs> Which everyone does. Um, it's also brought to you by the movie Roadhouse. Uh, it's a really good movie. Uh, it didn't just come out. It's from the 80s. But it's on Amazon. No, it's on Hulu. So uh, check, it, Hulu. check it out. Uh, was, can you tell me if the movie Point Break was a <gasps> spinoff of Roadhouse? Or were they just sort of like Venn diagrams that, that sort of fuzzled into each other a little bit. Do no. you know Point Break? Uh, do I know Point Break, the greatest queer love story of our time? Yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, it's an incredible movie about how Keanu Reeves falls in love with Patrick Swayze. Uh, and uh, I don't know, like, yeah, it's look. It's funny I was, because there's there's there is a there is a female love interest in that movie. I understand that she's peripheral and basically discarded as soon as <laughs> as soon as she uh, fulfills her her uh, mission of being a damsel. Yeah, but and her uh, name she is, is there. Hold on, she has short hair and her name is Tyler. You're not getting anything <laughs> by me, Catherine Bigelow. <laughs> Uh, Catherine Bigelow being the director of Point Break. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, our our podcast is additionally brought to you by uh, those good, good closed door sleepovers. Get you can squeeze like a month of them in, maybe before people will start to suspect. Uh, and brought to you by the planet Saturn. It's a square now. <laughs> That's it. Okay. I uh, uh, I was so we were like freaking out when your brother said that his book was coming out in the fall and Allison and I were like, if it is on the same day as ours, we will come uh -oh. burn your offices uh -oh. to the ground. Oh God. <laughs> 
What day? What day does your book come out? September fifth. Okay. Yeah. You're 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 way ahead. Yeah, you, yeah. You got a full month before before John starts sucking up the oxygen. Yeah, yeah. We're okay. But it was cute. I saw on Amazon it said like these two often bought together, and it was John's book and our book, and I was like, oh, oh, that's ad- amazing, adorable. So tell me about your book, by the way. Oh, uh, yeah. Allison and I wrote a, a young adult novel together called I Hate Everyone But You. And it's about two girls that go away to college. And spoiler, they're like similar to me and Allison. And and they go away to college on separate coasts. And one of them is dealing with uh, mental illness. And she wants to be normal and have a boyfriend and join a sorority. But she also like can't touch the sheets. And then uh, so is like having a lot of problems. And then uh, with depression and anxiety. And then the other uh, girl goes to school in Boston. And she's coming out and uh, dealing with like ethical quandaries and uh, and so yeah it's like basically if we had known each other during our actual college days mm-hmm. and then that's can they stay friends even though they are so different it's like a yeah. French it's a friendship love story it's like a friendship rom-com <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah you got and you got that good odd couple thing going um, mm-hmm. and it's told through their communications, right? So there's like a name for that kind of book that I forget what it is. But, An epistolary right. novel. There and a, it is. Yeah. It's told through text messages and emails. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that was one person told us that they loved that because it wasn't too expository. You just really like jump in and get to get to know them, which is nice. And yeah. personally, I've been really happy because we've gotten a lot of really good um, like on a lot of good lists and a lot of good reviews specifically citing how the queer stuff is handled. And that was like a really big deal to me. So I was super happy uh, with like people singling out. I mean, saying the book is good in general, but singling out like the queer and trans stuff, which was, I was like, really, I put a lot of myself into. So I was happy that people cared. So that comes out. (laughs) Oh God. So that comes out uh, September, September 5th. And then we start going on tour right after that. And, and nice. Yeah, so you can see stuff about the book and the tour at gabbyandallison.com. Uh, and the tour is like starts the day the book comes out, September 5th in Philly. Are you coming to Missoula? No. And it's not it's not <laughs> just a book tour. It's also like a live show. We're doing like a live show. Right. So it's like, you know, Yeah, John and I are doing the same thing. Yeah, bang for your buck <clears throat> Which or I whatever. can't I can't talk about it all yet. I apologize for having talked that much about it. But there <gasps> will be a tour. Obviously. Is it going to be the same time as ours? Because, again, I will come to your house. Um, I don't know how late does yours go. Ours starts October 10th. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. We won't overlap. Good, good, good. Okay. Yeah, I want to I wanna come to Missoula. As you were, I think we talked about it. I want to, like, check out what the, what the, like, the gay, the LGBT scene is there in your hip little Montana town. Mm-hmm. I bet it's... I can, I can, I can get you clued in. Yeah, I bet it's popping off. <laughs> Well, yeah, like I think it's pretty. It's pretty. Late. I was hanging out with a uh, a with a friend of mine who is in that scene yesterday, and she said, "Oh, like ju- I just sort of don't go outside the triangle." And I was like, "What's the triangle?" And she like laid out for me the map where like there are, like where the roads are, and she's like, "If you stay in inside of all these roads, it's like queer utopia, and if you go on the other side, then it's like you start getting looks." And I'm like, "Well, welcome to Montana." I'm glad we have a triangle for you. 
Gabby, do you want to do like one or two more questions? Yeah. This one comes from Andrew, who asks, Dear Hank and Gabby, everybody knows that mugs have handles. What do you call a mug without a handle? Is it a cup? Surely it can't be a glass, as that would mean it would be made out of glass. Be safe out there, Andrew. Be safe out there is one of my favorites from the episode. That is a real good sign-off, and I'm going to use it more. Be safe out there implies what what's happening out there. <laughs> I just, just in general, I think safety is important. <laughs> yeah, I make everyone text me when they get back to their house from my house. Do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't. I live inside the triangle. It's good. Like, just like, because what if, what if they go missing and then I end up having to be like, like in their trial, giving testimony, right. and then I'm the last person that saw <laughs> them. <laughs> I had, wait, can I tell you something messed up? I had a... Okay. No, it's not... As long as you're not admitting to murder. No, no. I had an ex-boyfriend who was, like, very... Like, very funny, but, like, very dark sense of humor. And he... And I was joking, and I was like, if I ever die and I go missing without a trace, like, he did it. But if I die and it's just blood everywhere and it was a crime of passion, then Allison did it. And then they... We were... (laughs) We were... And then we were laughing, and then he goes, what makes you think I wouldn't spread your blood around and frame Allison? And then Allison and I both went, oh my god. We were like, holy s***. Oh god. It's too much true crime. Um, but- oh, yeah. But yeah, so so but but back to the but back to the mug. Yeah, uh, I don't know how we got to murder, but it, yeah, that that's very dear Hank and John of us. Um, I think a mug without a handle is just a piece of crap. Like it's just useless BS that shouldn't exist because the whole point is is for hot stuff, and if you don't have a handle, you're not adequately protecting yourself from the hot stuff. Have you ever been to a restaurant where they give you like hot tea or coffee in a glass cup? Uh, no, because that is illegal and or it should be. No, they do that here in LA all the time. And I don't under, like, do you want me to be hurt? Like, I don't understand. <laughs> it makes me furious. It makes me so mad. It's a hot beverage. <laughs> Why are you putting it in a, they put it in a glass cup. I've seen it, Hank, it's real. And it, <laughs> <laughs> it's just basically like putting your hand straight into the coffee. It like that's happened. what they're asking you to do. Yeah, it has happened to me. Why? No, it's terrible. That's awful. You, you know, I, I when I saw this question, I was like, you know, I kind of feel like I've seen like a ceramic mug that I would call a mug that doesn't have a handle. Yeah. Because it's got like those thick mug walls and it's mug shaped, but it doesn't. And so I Googled it and they're called mugs without handles. That's it? That's what they're called. There's no special name. You can like go, if you like search for mugs without handles, it's just like mugs without handles available at these places. For minimalist design nuts, these mugs don't have handles. Oh, minimalist. On, oh. Here on, here on, yeah, minimalist. I don't want a handle on my mug. I want to be in pain. I live this in is a, my minimalism. I live in a tiny house and every inch counts. <laughs> <laughs> so my mugs don't have handles. And they're also very small. I mean, you just have like a little, uh, like my tiny mind. I'm like, look, I don't, like, I can't even have a coffee. It's just espresso. We don't have space for coffee. If you go to someone's house and they hand you a mug without a handle, call the police. <laughs> they are a murderer. <laughs> just throw it on the ground like Thor in the Thor movie and then walk out and say, I won't have another 
and then, or just go to all their mugs and break them all and say there are more mugs better than this are available at dftba.com. I mean, this is just- With handles. Useless, useless. I mean, I don't know if we solved this person's, they're called useless. Next question. <laughs> uh, okay, we're gonna finish off with a question from Anonymous, dear Hank and Gabby. So I made quite a mess of my sexuality. When I was hitting puberty around 13 years uh, of age or so, I was very certain that I was lesbian. I dated a girl in secret when I was 15. Both parties' parents found out our lives turned into an HBO special. You know the drill. My parents weren't cool with it, and one thing my mom said was, if you're bi, please just try to be straight. She said this with the best intentions, but it's put me in a fun situation because I've spent years trying to convince myself I'm straight. I've dated several boys, and it wasn't until I had a sexual encounter with one of these boys that I felt 100% almost magnetic repulsion sort of feeling of, no, this is incorrect and icky and please don't do this, that I realized that I'm super duper gay. So now I'm almost 23, and I'm in the situation of finding on the outside men and women completely equally attractive, but being 100% not interested in anything involving men. How do I come out to my parents and explain to them without seeming like I have a choice to date men still? I know asking two straight guys might be the best choice, but I'm desperate and looking for any dubious advice anywhere I can find it. Hey, I have great news for you. <laughs> I have, yeah, you've come to the right place. Hello. I don't know if the people <laughs> listening know that I'm a bi- I'll just say I'm a, a cis bisexual woman that if, if so that people know my credentials. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> where's, your, where's your degree from in bi studies? Uh, it's it's from the uh, Kristen Stewart School of, <laughs> of Bisexuality. <laughs> I have a master's degree uh, in threesomes. Okay, so um, what? <laughs> I have a master's degree in dating couples. Okay, so uh, this basically you you live in a patriarchal society in a heteronormative society that teaches you that the right thing to do is to be straight and no one is immune to it and no one is um no one is like strong enough usually to shrug all that off which is why there's so many uh there's so much higher rates of suicide and depression in uh particularly bisexual but also all kinds of queer uh people and um and so your your mom I don't know if best intentions was the right way to put that because I think although I think you're trying to say that she was sort of like I just want you to have an easier life and I don't want you mm-hmm. to because I actually I just was hanging out with two friends of mine one is a lesbian one is an immigrant and I was like who do you think has it worse between the three of us joking and without missing a beat they were both like you do um so being bi is uh tough and um I think that you could maybe just dumb it down for your parents. Like, I think you can just say, like, look, I'm gay. Because if you don't want to date men, maybe it's not worth trying to explain to them that, like, sexuality is fluid and that, like, a lot of times if you're – if you're because, like, bisexuality has a lot to do with desire versus action in my mind. So if you – there are some people who – uh, do have do bisexual acts sexually, but they're not. They don't identify as bisexual because they're desire. They don't desire to to be romantic with men and women, and so there's like this split between like you know you can be like hetero romantic bisexual, 
or like a uh, homo romantic bisexual or and and it sounds like you think you can see that they're both attractive but you're only romantically interested in women and sounds like sexually interested in women so i think it might be because they're from a different generation and because it seems like they don't really get it or you might be interested in just distilling it down for them and being like look look i'm a lesbian and maybe that's not like the whole truth to you but it's also the easiest way to get them off your back since like my parents are sort of weirdos and are like open to a lot of stuff so i feel like i could sit them down and explain this type of thing but most baby boomers i'm assuming are your parents uh are not like i don't know they they just they, you just have to know who your parents are and if they're the type that need things to be black and white then for your own sanity maybe just present it that way mhm i mean um i also think the whole thing of like well, if you're bi just please try to be straight it's like it's not a choice it's not a choice to to who for who you are attracted to or who you fall in love with. So it's like to be like if you're super into this woman but they're like can you just choose to be straight? It's like you're not going to be like, "Oh yeah, let me just put that on the back burner and give the old straight mm-hmm. straight Tinder a go," which by the way is a nightmare place. Never go on straight straight <laughs> Tinder. It's horrendous. Uh but yeah, I mean, I don't know, it's interesting because I there was this interview with Cynthia Nixon where she was talking about how people assume she's a lesbian and she was like, "No, I'm I'm so she's like I'm more bisexual, but I've just decided that dating women is better." And everyone lost their minds and was like, "Yeah, you're saying that being a le- like you're saying that being a lesbian is a choice blah blah blah." But like I was sort of like, "Yeah, but if you if if you are like I am attracted to both, but I just am only romantically interested in this one particular situation then that's you can define that however you want to define that i don't think that's i don't know like i've met men who are like yeah i'm straight i mean i've like done stuff with dudes but i only want to date women and i'm like then you're then say that you're straight and other men that have said that same thing have said that they identify as bi it's really very like whatever feels right rolling off your tongue about yourself but i also think mm-hmm. to your to your parents you got to just get them off your back and distill it i think yeah give them give them a thing that that is easy enough to process yeah yeah and i mean i like i don't know if you're worried that they're going to be like but you dated all those dudes so cuz then you can just be like i didn't <laughs> cuz cuz no homosexual person has ever had a heterosexual relationship ever right like you just be like i try like even now that's your ammo you can go i gave it a shot <laughs> not for me <laughs> i really tried I, re- I did it a bunch yeah i really tried oh my god that would be so funny i really tried so many dudes not for me <laughs> <laughs> Mom, I gotta tell you, was I just—I mean, I—I I, I tried—I tried it with every guy I could try. Oh, I tried it. Just, it. None of them worked. Tried it all the ways. <laughs> like you just like give them a real, and they're so upset. You're like, was that oh, not what God. you meant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, well, uh, it is now time for the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Uh, the news from Mars. I'll go first. Is mm-hmm. that there is now a, a game that was. That is designed in partnership with uh, NASA. And if you have a HTC Vive or any of the other uh, modern VR devices, you can go to Mars yourself at, at home in your little Vive space uh, if you have one of those. I don't. 
Um, but I, so I have not been able to try this. But the uh, basic idea is that you land yourself on Mars, and this isn't just like a landscape that looks like Mars. It's taken from data from the uh, MSO orbiter, and it's basically an area of Mars that actually exists. You land on it. You can go over your little habit, habitation module. You can drive your little rover around. You can do soil and, and rock collections. And then once you do that, you open up new areas of the map and you get to see other cool areas of, of the planet. And basically you just get to hang on the surface of Mars, which no actual human is going to get to do for quite a long time, hopefully before 2028, but for quite a long time. And uh, yeah. And I would like to do it, but I don't have any VR gear. So if anybody gets the chance to play Mars 2030, please tell me how it goes. Are you, would you go, like, I guess not because you have a baby. But if they were like, you go, go live yeah. on Mars now, you would be like, eh. I mean, I have a friend, I have a friend who is, has several children and he's super, like, try, he's actively trying to become an astronaut. And I'm like, yes, I don't know that I would do that. Um, to but, live you know, on Mars? Wife... He wants to live on Mars? No, no. He wants to be an astronaut, which oh. to me is just like, it's dangerous. It's a very dangerous job. Yeah. Um, but uh, but no, I don't think he wants to go live on Mars. I would not go live on Mars. There's a bunch of reasons why I wouldn't go live on Mars. I used to want to go live on Mars, but that, that changed as I got older and more motion sick. <laughs> yeah, and you saw the Martian and you were like, ugh, growing potatoes for so long. <laughs> just like half this the movie. This is a weird action movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the news from AFC Wimbledon, Gabby? Oh, well, <clears throat> um, as you know, our um, lead starter, Mark um, Harrington, he's been really sick. And um, so he's he's had uh, the flu. So he's been out of several games. Um, <laughs> and that means that our second, our second starter, um, this guy... His name is Carl Ranks. Um, he's been he's been playing, and you know he hasn't really had a chance to shine. But mm -hmm. now he scored three goals in the last oh. uh, game. So he so trick. now everyone's like, yeah. So now everyone's like, well, maybe we don't even need Mark Harrington. Maybe we <laughs> just need Carl Ranks. And Mark Harrington's pissed. I heard that gossip in the locker room. Um, that he's real mad. So he might be traded to a totally different team. Um, and and his best friend is on AFC Wimbledon. And his best friend is um, Lisa Simpson, not related to the Simpsons. <laughs> and so she is, she's like, well, if he goes, then I'm going to go. But that's really awful because she's our best goalkeeper. So um, my thoughts are maybe that uh, once Mark Harrington's better, they should just let him... The coach, uh, whose name is uh, uh, Kate Moss, uh, she should let <laughs> she should let uh, maybe have them both play like a double a double starter, which I know hasn't been done since the 1940s. I know no team has had a double starter since the 1940s. Okay, I get it, but I think in my my opinion is controversial. I think we should do it. And that's all the news from AC Wimbledon, a real team that exists. Good. Good. John will be back next week with real news from AFC Wimbledon. He'll, ca he'll catch everybody up. Uh, hey, yeah, let Gabby. Me know, let me know if 
they do that double starter. Okay, what? I'll be really interested. I'll ask John directly if they do the double starter <laughs> or not, and he will he will be really interested to tell me the answer. <laughs> Gabby, what did we learn today? What did we learn? We learned that you should get a forearm tattoo of just text because that would be super sexy. We also learned all right. uh, that <laughs> all of your faves are problematic and have written erotica. Uh, we also learned... <laughs> <laughs> That you're. I forgot about the Shell Silverstein. Oh yeah. America. We good, also learned that you're a f- creep who calls people at their hotel rooms. Um. <laughs> Just one time, I was a little boy. I we was also, like twelve. Who did you call? Uh, the lead singer of the MP Giants. Oh. John oh, he's nice. Um, what did uh, uh, we learned the meaning of the word Lothario? We learned. I did. You already knew. I already knew. And I also learned the meaning of the word epistolary, which is in reference to Gabby's new book. Yes. Thank you for helping me uh, to really just promo the new book. Please, oh, please. Gotta hit it harder. Pre order it. <laughs> pre order it, please. And. What's it called? Did you, tell, did you tell us what it was called? Yes. It's called I Hate Everyone But You. Okay. You did, you did say that, mm-hmm. but I was wanted you to say it again. You're so good at this. Please help me. Um, okay, and uh, and we learned don't do the work for your coworkers. That's right. Good. Is that it? Yes, we learned all oh, of those things. And- Wait, we did learn more. What else did we learn? <laughs> Lie to your parents so you can have gay sex. That's it. That's the last <laughs> one. <laughs> all right. Uh, in addition to promoing everything I hate about you, we also, uh, I there's a game that I'm developing that I have developed with some friends. Available on Kickstarter. It's called Rolf. It's really fun. Uh, you can watch on Hank's channel me playing it, um, which is my YouTube channel that it, no one knows about. YouTube.com slash Hank's channel. It's just me. And uh, you could find out more about that. And I would love it if you check it out. Maybe see if you want to back it on Kickstarter. And also, I will be in Australia for VidCon Australia, September 9th and 10th. If you are interested in coming to see me, uh, John won't be there. So it'll be just like this podcast, except without Gabby either. You aren't coming, are you? No, but I'm going to PodCon, your other thing. Oh, oh yeah. Also, PodCon is still, uh, still a thing. And PodCon tickets are available again if you uh, were uh, didn't get them during the Indiegogo but when I get them now. Um, and we'll be talking more about PodCon as it approaches. It's coming up in December uh, in Seattle. So I'm excited to see you at PodCon, Gabby. Thank you for hanging out. And yes. uh, you're great. Thank you for being a guest. Thank you for being a guest on my new sexy podcast, Dear Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> All we do is curse and talk about your idols who wrote erotica. This podcast, Dear Gabby, is edited by Nicholas <laughs> Jenkins. Our producers are Rosiana Hulse Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our social media manager is Victoria Bongiorno. The music is by the great Gunnarola. If you would like to email us, you can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be, to be awesome. awesome.